From painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking, KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today on Artbeat, we talk to local historian and stereo photography buff, Bob Taunt. Bob recently gave a presentation about the history of stereo photography at the Winona County History Center. The presentation was a compliment to an exhibit titled Victorian Winona through the lens of Charles Tenney. Charles Tenney was a photographer in the Winona area in the late 1800s and produced many stereo images of the area as was common at the time. I'm Bill Stoneberg, encouraging you to stick around to learn more about stereo photography from local historian Bob Taunt on Artbeat. Uh, thanks for being on the show today, Bob. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, I was just kind of curious, you know, a uh, little background on, because you did a presentation on stereo uh, photography. It sounds like that has been around for a long time. Like, it used to be really popular, it sounds like. Uh, how did that kind of come about, and, you know, how did that get started, and what is it? Well, it uh, stereo photography has been around for a long time. We're hearing more about it today because they're starting to produce movies in stereo. Uh, that is 3D, mm-hmm. but the process goes back to uh, actually 1838, which is the very beginning of photography, of right. any kind of photography. And back then, a fellow by the name of Charles Wheatstone in England was working to try to figure out why your eyes see depth. Oh, and okay. they realized that uh, your two eyes see a picture that is slightly different. Mm-hmm. It's not the same, and your brain puts them together and tells you you're looking at depth on an image. So they didn't realize it back then. It seems pretty simple to us today. Right. Uh, And they originally tried to draw pictures of what each eye saw and then use that to produce stereo. Well, uh, photography had come along, and um, they decided to use photographs to prove the the point. Mm -hmm. Two pictures, uh, although they are flat, If they're slightly different, your eyes perceive them differently, and you'll see 3D, that is, uh, three dimensions, even though the picture's flat. Yeah. So is it just that the pictures are just slightly framed slightly different or something? Like they're just a little bit apart? There are many ways of of producing stereo. and the one that we're familiar with in movies is the red-green. One oh. eye sees red, the other eye sees green. Right, and you get those but, cool glasses in the theater. Yeah, yeah, but the simplest way to do stereo is just to having the two pictures mm-hmm. side by side. Uh, you have to have a card that has two pictures that look identical, but okay. they're different. And the, the difference is only about two and a half inches, oh. the difference between the distance between your, your eyes. two eyes. Oh, wow. So the, the simplest process is still something that everybody can do today. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially with digital cameras, it's a lot of fun. Right. Cool. So you could essentially, I'm assuming I could take my camera at home, take a photo and move it two inches, and then take another photo and maybe combine those two? Or, or you right. put them side by side then right. to look well, at them? Here, here's the thing. Uh, Originally, when they started doing this, they only had one camera, so they mm-hmm. would take a picture and they had a slide bar. They'd okay. slide it over and take the second picture. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing can move in between times, and right. sometimes uh, there, there's a great picture of a wagon coming down a street, and everything is in 3D except the wagon because it was moving, and it's in two different places oh, two on different the picture. Right. But um, 
if you want to try this at home, and I think everybody should at uh-huh. least try it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's easy and it's kind of fun. Uh, now your eyes can only see so far to the sides, mm-hmm. so most cameras take a rectangular picture horizontally. Mm-hmm. You want to turn your camera vertically, okay, so that the pictures aren't too far apart. Then. And what I tell people is stand on one foot, take a picture, and then stand on the other foot and take a picture. Oh. And you'll only have to move it about two and a half inches to get the two different pictures. Now, with digital, you can put it into your computer and pull up the two pictures, put them side by side. You have to make sure that they're um, horizontally even. Okay, yeah. And that's also easy. You can draw a line in Publisher Oh, and match things yeah. up on the line, and uh, and then you have your stereo picture. Now you can look at it in stereo on the computer. You can print it off your computer, or you can take it to a photo lab and have them produce a, a single card with the two pictures on it. Oh, cool. Now, how are you going to look at it? Right. That's my next question. Well, let, let's go back in history a little bit. The first okay. viewers were... Uh, complicated boxes with little hinged doors and light things and expensive <laughs> lenses. And uh, this is about 18, 1850s. They started developing these. And they had an exposition in London, and the Queen bought one of these. Well, then everybody wanted a stereo mm-hmm. viewer. But it was awful expensive. Right. Uh, a famous American, um, Oliver Wendell Holmes. Oh, Mm-hmm. was over in England, and he got a hold of the craze. And uh, on his way back on the ship, it was old travel then, <laughs> the only way to right, travel it. Right. On his way back on the ship, he sketched out a design for a skeletal model of a viewer. And those are the viewers that we're most familiar with today. It's called the Holmes Stereo Viewer. Okay. Uh, it has a slide bar, just a little housing for your eyes and uh-huh. the two lenses. Now, the two lenses are simply magnifiers. They, oh. they only make the picture a little bit bigger. And there's a piece down the middle so that your eyes can't see the wrong picture. Oh. So now uh, you can print your picture, cut it to fit into one of these viewers. Mm-hmm. They're still available all over the place. Uh-huh. Uh, a good price is in the $30 range okay. um, for a good one. Uh, but you can buy little plastic viewers online, um, just a simple little thing to hold your eyes up and look through. But you don't even need that. If you can convince your eyes to look at the right picture, you don't need any kind of viewer at all. Oh, cool. The main thing is that your your eyes want to focus on the central point. Mm-hmm. That's what you do every day. Right. And you've got to have them focus on two different points. Right. The way you can do this is hold up a piece of cardboard or your hand or something between your two eyes so that the right eye can only see the right picture and the left eye can only see the left picture. Okay. And you can check yourself because you close one eye, and if if the right eye can see part of the left picture, you haven't got it right. Right. But if you get it just right, suddenly the, the image will pop and you'll see it in 3D. Oh, wow. And if you get really good after a while, you don't need anything between your two eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, one trick is to focus off in the distance and then hold a card up at arm's length, and your eyes at looking at a distance are more parallel than right. 
pointed in, huh. and you'll see it. So. Oh, wow. So now you can do this on, on your computer. You can get the little plastic uh, glasses for next to nothing, and uh, everybody should try it. There's one limitation. Okay. Things can't move if you have one camera. Oh, like between the horse shots. In the carriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, what I've done <laughs> and had a lot of fun with it: buy two digital cameras, uh-huh. mount them on a frame, and fire them both at the same, same time. time yeah. And you can get puffs of smoke. You can get people oh, jumping cool. in the air. You can get horses running, all in 3D. Oh wow! And uh, you can buy electronic uh, ways of, of firing your cameras. Mm-hmm. I haven't done that. Simply pushing the, the uh, button on the camera at the same, same time, time, I've been able to get pictures about 80 90% of the time. Okay. If they're a little bit off, you can throw them away and do right, another try one. another one for sure. Oh wow, that's fascinating, you know. And I, like I was telling you a little bit before we started, I, you know, I was down at the history center here in town, and and I looked through one of those viewers, the old viewer, and I didn't realize how it was working. Really, I just mm-hmm. thought, oh wow, this is really neat. <laughs> and I remember my grandparents had one of those too, laying around, and that's where I had seen some of those uh, shots before. You know, of the that's Eiffel that's Tower a comment that everybody says. My grandmother yeah. had one of those, uh-huh. and it is true. Because because the stereo viewer was something, it was like the TV of the 1880s to okay. 90s. Literally, everybody had one in their parlor. Oh, it was wow. an entertainment toy. Uh-huh. And uh, really, the craze uh, continued. They became a little cheaper after the 1880s, and they continued through World War One, pretty much as a big industry. They had crews around the world taking pictures of every blessed thing. Uh-huh. And they even sold these cards door to door. So oh, wow. There are <laughs> actually you go downtown to antique shop in Winona, you'll find cards. Oh wow. Um, they made millions upon millions of them. <laughs> I'm going to start keeping my eye out for that stuff because it's pretty neat, you know. <laughs> I see you brought some cards here. What yeah, some, here? some these... that I've made and, and uh, oh, some cool. copies of old ones. Okay. Uh, there is also a, a site uh, on the web. Um, I don't have the address, but you can look up stereo photographs. Mm-hmm. And they put them up, people that have them put them up, and you can view them or copy them. Oh, nice. Uh, so they share, and uh, that's a lot of fun, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to experiment taking some, too. That sounds oh, really neat. Everybody should try it. <laughs> that it's sounds fun. like a blast. Um so, you know, and, you know, speaking of, you know, like when it was kind of like their television, you know, the, the popular thing to do, back to that exhibit, it's on Charles Tenney. Uh, he was a photographer here in town. Right. And I was curious because in the exhibit it said that they had hired at one point eight men to go out and take photographs, scenic photographs around the area. And I thought, <laughs> why did a photographer need eight people out there taking Is that why? Because they were doing these stereo imaging? Well, um not necessarily. It would be helpful to have two people in a crew. Oh. And he probably had four crews go in different directions to oh, take wow. pictures of everything. But um, the old cameras, you would uh, you would have two lenses on your camera mm-hmm. and one piece of film. It was a plate. Okay. And uh, you'd expose the, the plate to the two lenses. Mm-hmm. And when you developed it, you'd have one piece of film with two circles on it. Okay. And those would be your two pictures. Those are your two images, yeah. Now, here's a bit of trivia for you. Okay. Most of the pictures of the Civil War 
the outdoor pictures that we are all familiar with, most mm -hmm. of those pictures were taken in stereo. Oh, really? And you can uh, also go to the Library of Congress um, Civil War collection, photograph stereo, and see wonderful images um, in high definition uh, and free downloads. Oh, wow. But, nice. Um, yeah, a lot of the pictures were 3D. Uh, when Mr. Brady, Matthew Brady, sent crews out, he said, always take two pictures in case one doesn't turn out. Mm-hmm. And the best way to take them was side by side. And if you got both of them, uh, you had a stereo, stereo card two, or you could cut them in half and have two single right. pictures. Oh, wow. That's pretty neat. I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know it was such a popular thing, that it was such a popular process. It know? was huge. Yeah, it was huge. Um, you know, and I was curious, too, like uh, this, uh, the Charles Tenney that lived here in town, they had a, he had a, partnership with Harry Horde and they had the Horde and Tenney Art Emporium. Uh -huh. Like is that, would that be just a normal photography studio or what else did they do there do you think? Well uh, one of the things that photographers did in the early years was um, everybody couldn't afford photographs mm -hmm. and uh, in the early years they didn't publish photographs. You didn't know how to do it. Um, so if I took a picture of the mayor of Winona, mm -hmm. and you lived in a rural area, you never saw him, I could have that picture of the mayor in my gallery, oh. and you could pay me a nickel or something, come in and see all the famous people from Winona. Oh, wow. So that was one, one way they made additional money is okay. uh, posting the pictures right. uh, that they had. Huh. And so kind of like we post pictures now, but they were actually posting them right on the wall in their right, studio, huh? Right, right. Nice. And since it was the photographer's own picture, he had proprietary right to it. Ah. And other people couldn't have a copy of that. So you had to come to my studio to right, see it. Right, to see it. Oh, wow, that's neat. I like that, a little gathering place, you know, yeah, where people yeah, can go was. and see the stuff. And then they also uh, mentioned chromos. And that's, is that a color photograph? What is a chromos? Uh, well, chromatic photograph, the, the early photos uh, until, mm, boy, what is it, the 1940s, okay. um, everything was black and white. Sure. But they would take um, these old uh, pictures and hand tint them. Oh, wow. So they became chromatic. And you can look at some of the earliest, earliest pictures, the 1830s and 40s, and some of them are in full color. And you go, well, I didn't know they had color, uh, color film back then. No, right. they didn't. These are all black and white. But consider this. The photographer was putting the painter out of business, the portrait painter. Oh, sure. So the portrait painters were very anxious to join with the photographers, and they did exquisite work tinting these oh, pictures. Wow. Um, the flesh tones are, they're just gorgeous. Uh -huh. So you can look at some of the uh, early daguerreotypes, and uh, they're full color, mm -hmm. chromatic. Or now, when you came to Mr. Tenney's shop, if you wanted a, a chromos, if you wanted a color picture, uh, they would be able to tint, tint it a little bit. Um, one of the things they always did was if you were wearing gold jewelry, mm -hmm. you put a little blob of gold where the jewelry right. is. And some of it wasn't real great, but uh, the jewelry and um, usually the, the tinting of the skin was mm -hmm. something they did frequently. Right. 
oh, wow. I didn't realize they would do so much, you know. I thought, well, a photography studio, that's really cool that they had that. But it sounds like a really neat place. It's like art gallery, kind of almost we, a theater, everything involved, you know. You know, we take photography for granted uh, mm-hmm. these days. But think back. Um, before the photographer got here, when uh, Grandma died, you never saw her again. There right. was no picture. Maybe you had a painting, but out, you know, mm-hmm. in the wilderness here in, in right. the central part of the United States, there weren't many portrait painters. So Grandma was gone forever. Mm-hmm. This was one of the reasons you had a viewing in the funeral home. Okay. Your last chance ever to see the person's image. Right. But now you had f- a photograph of the person that lasted forever. Right. You could have pictures of grandma and grandpa f- posted on your wall forever. Mm-hmm. So it was a, quite a change. Yeah. And uh, so now thinking about this, the photographers traveled. So mm-hmm. they would come through town and they would advertise, I'm taking photographs, you know, come come in. Or I can come out to your farm and take the photograph. Uh-huh. But let's say the day before you were going to come to the farm, grandma died. Well, the photographer could still take her picture in the coffin. Right. And sometimes, you know, some people think, oh, that's that's horrible. Um, and some of the pictures aren't real good either. But some of the pictures are the last opportunity that mm-hmm. people had to see the person who was deceased. Right. And so those are called post-mortems, obviously, okay. taken yep. after death. Sure, sure. And I've seen a lot of those, you know, and I often wondered, too, when you're like, well, why did they do that? But now it makes a lot of sense, thinking, yeah. coming at it from that angle that, hey, this is the last chance. Last chance. chance. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. Um, and there's a lot of fascinating stuff down at the exhibit, too. Some of the photos right. and of, you know, different places, Winona, uh, photos like taken from the bluffs, you know, down towards right, town. Right. I mean, oh, some of those are uh, fantastic. Yeah. I think Winona has a, uh, it's a blessing that Mr. Tenney took uh, stereo photos. Mm-hmm. And also there's many steamboat photos taken at Winona. Uh, we don't find that down in La Crosse. Uh, mm-hmm. There were many photographers there, but for some reason we don't have that history. Winona's got great 3D history of right. places that used to be. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I encourage anyone to get down there. And like I said, the exhibit's sure. going through the spring. But uh, And then I was also curious, Bob, you know, how did you get interested in uh, in stereo photography? Like, was it through photography or through history or a combination? Or? Yeah, my, my dad was an avid photographer, amateur photographer, and uh, so he kind of passed those genes on to me. And mm-hmm. I was reading about uh, the history of photography, and we got to stereo, and, and they said, well, you can do it yourself. And mm-hmm. so I had to try, and, and nice. oh, it was pretty good. So I began to, I have an old camera. It looks old on the outside, but it's got digital cameras inside. Okay. And I've traveled around for well, years and years taking pictures at Civil War events and other places. Oh, cool. And uh, taking all those pictures with motion because I can fire at the same time. Right. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. The, there's a trick to, to stereo photography. Usually when you're taking a picture, you say line up okay. because your focal plane is flat. Right. And so you want everybody in a flat line. Uh-huh. When you're taking a stereo photograph, you want depth. So right. don't line up. Get, get out of kilter. Oh. And the best pictures uh, will have five levels of depth. You have the immediate foreground, then you mm-hmm. have a little bit further foreground, then you have the center of the picture, 
then you have the background and the distant background. If okay. you have five levels in there, you get some super pictures. Nice. There's one other technique. Uh, in the 20s, when they were flying around in airplanes, mm-hmm. they they found out that, hey, you could take a picture out the window of the plane, and it would fly 300 feet down the, the road before you could wind the film ahead and take another picture of the same thing. Right. And you had hyper stereo. The two images are way far apart. Oh. And what happens then is the 3D becomes super uh, intense it's super stands out. Wow. Um, there's pictures of the Washington Monument and the Capitol and things taken from an airplane. And I've done this too uh, and, and try it. Uh, if you have a, a road that's parallel to the subject, mm-hmm. I had some distant mountains and pine trees and so forth. Took one picture, drove down the, the, the road, you know, maybe an eighth of a mile and took the other picture. Oh, wow. And then you put them together, and you have that super stereo that really sticks out. Oh, boy. I'm going to go try that. That sounds really yeah, neat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's so fun to, you know, because they were doing some of the stuff out of necessity, you know, or, or you know, like uh, uh, not the stereo photography, but, you know, some of the ways they developed things and the way they shot photos. But it's such a it's such a fun creative endeavor, you know, to try to recreate that. It's that's fascinating to me. I love it. So, and the camera that you're talking about, did you kind of put that together yourself, or right? Uh, in the old days, a camera was a box, uh-huh. any kind of box, right. just a box, yeah, wooden box uh, with a you know some way of expanding it a little bit. And the main part was the lens, mm-hmm. and the lens was two very thick pieces of glass. Um, in the old days, they were poorly ground. The optics were, were pretty bad, except in the immediate center of the lens. And then you had a brass uh, barrel on it. Okay. And so what I did is I made a, a wood box, um, decorated it uh, the old style, and mm-hmm. I found two uh, brass lenses uh, that were the right well, they, they match. That's the trick. Okay, yeah. Put them on the front of the box, and then I took the lenses out. So my digital cameras are shooting straight through uh, oh. with, with nothing in between. Okay. Now you can, a, a friend of mine is taking pictures of what comes through the glass lens. That's also a way you can do it, but that's more difficult because you have to have a lot of light uh, to get oh, your to picture. Get it's interesting. But it, it's been a lot of fun to carry, carry this around on a tripod uh-huh. and, and get people to pose. Uh, one of the pictures that I uh, shot was a fella pointing his uh, Civil War musket at me uh, as a uh, sniper would. Mm-hmm. And you're looking down the barrel, and so the, the stereo effect of that is incredible yeah. with, with uh, the length of the barrel and a bayonet on it down uh-huh. to his eye. Uh, <laughs> it's just incredible. I, I have to try this. <laughs> I know you guys can't see it there at home, but yeah. I have to try this here. Um, yeah, the little uh, plastic lenses, uh, you can get them online. I, I oh, ordered wow. a bunch of them out of California one time. And uh, they're they're just uh, magnifiers, but they do prevent your eyes from looking at the wrong thing. So right. it's... Uh, oh, that... Wow, this is great. <laughs> That's really neat. It's fun. Oh, wow. And the other one, uh, one of the other ones there is a, a lady in the kitchen, the old-fashioned uh, wood stove. Oh, uh-huh. And there's, in there, you have pretty much the five levels. There's a coffee pot right up front, oh, then the yeah. stove, then the table where she's stirring something. Mm-hmm. And behind that, there's a cupboard with 
things on it. <laughs> the depth is just incredible. I wish you could all see it. But, yeah. you know, the thing is, everybody should give it a try at least once. It's yeah. really easy to do. That is great. And these little viewfinder glasses, where do you find these at? Um, I forget the name of the company, but uh, there's uh, several companies that sell them, and they're, you know, less than a dollar. Oh, okay. So Wow. Oh, I'm going to have to pick some of those up and try this because it's a really neat. <laughs> if if someone really wanted to learn more about, like, stereo photography and really wanted to get into it, what are some good resources that are out there for people? Oh, these days the, the Internet uh, will give you many resources. Um, there is a group that just collects the old cards, and they publish them, as I mentioned. Um, but there are other stereo clubs uh, that are producing stereo pictures. And uh, there are a number of local people that are trying to produce stereo images, but they're not a big seller. Oh, uh, sure. They're interesting to look at, but for whatever reason. You know, the, the stereo craze kind of crashed in the 1920s. Okay. And I, I think the thing that did it in was movies. Mm-hmm. Sure. So now you had, uh, it wasn't a stereo picture, but you had people actually moving right. on the screen. Right. And things went down after that. However, there are pictures in World War II of um stereo pictures of tanks and uh, someone online just posted two really interesting albums that were published in Germany uh, it's uh, Reich's uh, publishing but showing the, the German army troops mm-hmm. in the field and stuff oh, and it's wow. all in stereo and it's free out there. You can look at So uh, just wander around on the Internet. There's lots of uh, right. good resources out there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So just search stereo photography, and you'll uh, you'll see what we're talking about. It's really interesting, really neat. And I like the, you know, like you showed me this, uh, the photo of the woman cooking in those five different points. You know, it mm-hmm. does. It makes a big difference to have, yeah. you know, the different uh, levels of depth in there, you know, that you can see. It's really cool. It, it's kind of fun. Uh, when I first started out, I was just doing it with a single camera, and I was posing behind my camera, and my son was taking the picture, and I said, okay, let's do a funny one, like I'm tripping. So I uh-huh. I leaned out, stood on one foot, and I was able to hold still long enough for him to get two pictures, and it oh, looks nice. like, you know, I'm tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could certainly have a lot of fun with it, that's for sure. Yeah. And I want to try that thing where you drive down the road, because that sounds really interesting, get a yeah. nice big scenic shot yeah. that's in 3D. If, oh. you, if you go over on the Wisconsin, Wisconsin side and and shoot the the uh, tooth over here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That'll that's one oh, that would okay. pop out at you, and then also the church dome and some of the other things in town okay. will really pop out. Oh, cool! Yeah. How, so, just out of curiosity, how far down the road do you think you have to go? Like, it de- all depends it what you want to do. Depends on how big the yeah. photo is going to be and how. Uh, it, it, think of it this way: your your eyes are only two and a half inches apart because. Mm-hmm. Your arm's length is only as long as it is. Okay. And that's where most of your focus is. When we look off in the distance, we know it's 3D, but, you know, it kind of looks flat. Right. If your eyes, if you're able to pull your eyes farther and farther apart, you would suddenly see how much depth there is in the distance. Oh, wow. And it would actually look, it would give you a perception of depth even larger than is actually there. Oh, wow. That's the hyper stereo. Oh, neat. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, um, we're kind of we're running short on time here, but uh, 
Okay. Uh, I'm talking to Bob Taunt here. Uh, he recently did a presentation called uh, Victorian VR, a history of stereo photography. So that's what we've been talking about today is stereo photography. And if you want to see some examples of stereo photography and some nice historical uh, photos, there is an exhibit going on right now called Victorian Winona Through the Lens of Charles Tenney. And that is at the Winona County History Center now through uh, the spring of 2020. So uh, thanks so much for being with us today, Bob. My pleasure. Glad to be here and hope everybody gives it a try because it's a lot of fun. Thanks again to Bob Taunt for joining us today on Artbeat. For more information about the exhibit Victorian Winona Through the Lens of Charles Tenney, go to winonahistory.org. For more conversations on art, tune into Artbeat Tuesdays at 12:30 right here on 89.5 KQAL. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and we've just heard from local historian and stereo photography buff Bob Taunt on Artbeat. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org. Is art an important part of your life? Find podcasts of Artbeat and all your favorite KQAL shows at kqal.org. Artbeat is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.